from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. Well, Ursula, that 9 o'clock hour went pretty fast, I got to tell you. It really did. Yeah. If you missed any part of it, make sure that you check out our podcasts on whatever platform it is that you listen to your podcast, the Gene Ursula Show uh, podcast, yeah. or on our Kyber Radio app. It is available. It's also available on MyNorthwest.com. And if you missed the meatballs discussion oh. yesterday, you have, to, you have to make sure you hear that. It is one of the signature G and Ursula show stories. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> yeah, that thing was spicy. It For made, sure. It became bubbly in G's stomach, and you need to find out what happened. You had a bit of an audience, too. Uh, oh, my gosh. I had more people. I showed you the text messages yeah, I got. Yeah, people yeah. were like, is G doing stand-up comedy? Uh, okay. Well, right. We have another busy hour for you, so we're going to get... Yeah. Right to it, but make sure you text us on our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line 888-973-5476-888-973 Cairo. What's new at 10? Every single day we uh, talk about a lack of affordable housing in this region, and even though we are spending more and more money on the problem of homelessness, it continues to get worse each year. So, In November, voters in Seattle might be asked to approve a new tax on businesses that would fund permanently affordable, publicly owned housing. It's kind of a newer idea. Supporters of the Let's Build Social Housing Ballot Initiative are collecting signatures right now in hopes of qualifying it for November. And if approved, this measure would impose a 5% tax on employer payroll expenses for each Seattle-based employee with a caveat, you have to make more than a million dollars a year. Initiative backers say this new tax could raise $50 million a year. But there's a lot that we still don't know about it. A lot of specifics that we still don't know. Mm-hmm. But there are also a lot of people who are already weighing in on this. And among those is John Scholes, who is the president and CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association. And we have invited him to join us on the G and Ursula show. Good morning, John. Good morning, G. Good morning, Ursula. So go ahead and just tell us, first of all, uh, I know you have some strong feelings about this. So where do you guys stand as an organization on this? Well, I think Seattle voters that are, that are going to be asked to sign these petitions should be really skeptical. This is another group proposing another tax. The group's got no CEO, no CFO, uh, and no plan for how to spend these dollars and no experience building housing in the city. And in fact, uh, the proponents of this are the same folks that brought Seattle the defund police movement and are still folks who support abolishing the police and defunding the police. That idea didn't work out so well, and this one won't either. Okay. Okay, let's back up. So you, you, you hit a lot of big things. <laughs> okay, I don't mean, I'm trying not to laugh, but uh, th- those are some strong, that is a strong statement uh, in, in opposition. And when G and I talked about this, we did raise the issue with, there are just so many specifics that are not involved, but yet Seattle voters approved at least the first part of this, the idea of it. So um, are you concerned that this could pass? Uh given what has already been voted on? Well, we certainly need more than just good ideas to solve this crisis that continues to confound this city. And what we don't need, I don't believe, is another group and another tax. We we have a new group that's only been around two years, the King County Regional Homelessness Authority, who also doesn't have a permanent CEO. Uh, and 
their signature initiative to address homelessness downtown um, didn't work. Was it was the right plan, but wasn't executed well. So the idea of another group with another tax with no one in charge, I don't think is the recipe to helping more people off the street. We certainly need more affordable housing and housing yes. in general in our city. I just don't think this is the way to do it. And just a couple of months ago, voters, including um, you know folks who own businesses in the city, uh, supported tripling the city's yes. very effective, very proven housing levy. That's been around since the 1980s, has produced thousands of units of deeply affordable housing. That's a great program with a great track record, and we just tripled it. So we're stepping up collectively as residents and business owners and property owners in this city to address affordable housing. We should continue to stay the course there. Uh, not grab a new tax proposed by a new group with nobody in charge and no plan. John, seems like you came with it this morning. Very simple in, in your messaging right there. And so help me understand that. You know what it feels like to me, John? It feels like every single time Ursula and I, we turn on the microphone and anybody's having this conversation. Once you say, I call them buzzwords, by the way, it's a buzzword, affordable housing. And once that comes up, everybody just lose all their thinking and they just want to raise taxes automatically. And they put it up there on the ballot in Seattle. For some reason, it passes every single time. Um, why? Why does that happen? And then we start to bring in new groups and new groups and more taxes and more taxes, all because of the buzzword phrase, affordable housing. Yeah, and the result of that has been that we're spending more than we ever have before. There's more tax dollars that will be collected this year by the city of Seattle than ever before. Uh, there's more money going into housing from the state and uh, other governments. And I think those are, you know, those are good things and, and good investments. But I think we're all frustrated by the lack of results and the the pace of results. And we see lots of people still suffering out on the street. I think one of the things we ought to be doing just to make it easier to build housing in this city is make it easier to get a permit. There's lots of folks who have great experience in building housing in the private sector in Seattle, but it takes them too long to do it. And them taking too long means that it becomes more expensive for everybody to either rent or purchase that housing. So we just need to make it easier to build housing in the city. I think that's one way we can uh, address affordability. And then we've got some proven mechanisms in place, like the housing levy, uh, which our organization has supported since its inception in the 1980s. And we actually proposed the creation of it uh, back then. And we've supported it when it's been on the ballot each and every time. That, that's been a proven and effective method to deliver affordable housing for those who need it in our city. So this is John Scholes, the president and CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association. Uh, strongly opposing what could be on the November ballot when it comes to social housing. Uh, You've stated your position very well. Uh, We will reach out to the people behind this initiative uh, to make sure that we give them an opportunity to respond. But, John, uh, to the point that you made about making it easier for permitting, I know one of the proposals is with uh, the office vacancy and vacancies in downtown Seattle, uh, some of the Proposals include trying to convert uh, some of those uh, available spaces into uh, more affordable housing. Where does the Downtown Seattle Association fit into that, or do you support that idea? Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing the first project in Seattle that will convert from office to residential in, in Lower Queen Anne that was announced uh, not too long ago. Those are great ideas to reuse and adapt buildings that may have served one purpose for Uh, many, many years to serve another purpose today where the demand is greater for residential uh, housing than it is for for office. So uh, that is one way that uh, 
we can all create more uh, housing in our city and we have an excess supply of, of office buildings and office space right now. And there are things the city can do to make that easier to uh, reduce some of the requirements for those conversions, which are difficult to do. Uh, you know, on a good day. It's expensive. It's complicated. There's not a lot of developers that have the experience in converting office to residential. Uh, so the city can come in and, uh, and, and be a good partner there and realize that at the end of the day, if we're creating more housing in a city that has an affordability crisis, that in and of itself is a good thing. So let's figure out how to make that easier for those conversions to take place. So we're fully supportive, and I think we'll see uh, more of those conversions as we go forward uh, in and around downtown. John Scholes, president and CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Always appreciate the opportunity. Thank you both. Okay, we are going to now talk about something that is uh, near and dear to your heart, G, as someone who lives in Tacoma. I thought you were going to say something else. I, I thought near and <laughs> dear to your false. heart. No, 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 no. Okay. I thought you was going to say near and dear to your heart since you live in the carpool. Oh, well, that too. Because for eight miles in Tacoma, Mm. I'm being told that carpool lane drivers are getting dissed. Mm. Is this true? I'm only in the carpool when there's other people. (laughs) Okay. G is outing me right now because I shared a story of what happened Uh, yesterday. Come on. I'm just finding out G's Irish. Chris Chris Sullivan is here. Are you... Am I a horrible, horrible person? Yesterday, I for the first time, I did something I've, I don't even know that I've ever actually done. What'd you do? But yesterday, I was desperate to get to an attorney's office by a certain time. Yeah. And you're running late. What does G say about that? A little bit late. Should have left earlier. <laughs> Should have left earlier. I took a nap. I opened my eyes, and it was 20 till, and I needed to be Edmonds. I was like, I'm not going to make it here by mm. my time. Yeah, shouldn't have napped. And so, I know, I know. So What'd what do? did I do? I pull up, and it's uh, getting onto I five. Yeah. And I see a really, really long, 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 long line. Yeah. For the single occupancy, and for the first time that I can remember. I went in the HOV lane and wow. drove through. I was wow. going to give you a pass. State Patrol, a trooper <laughs> pulled up right behind me, and I am nervous as all get out and thinking, busted, and I deserve it, but he didn't pull me You over. know State Patrol ain't pulling <laughs> over Subarus. <laughs> anyway, I apologize to anyone that I bypassed. I won't do it again. I was going to give you a pass okay. for potentially in the HOV lane when you were at speed. Maybe there was a left lane camper, and you were like, come no. on, you know, and no. you just did. There you thir- use the ramp cars. meter HOV. Now that, I know. that is I know. a problem. That, would, that leads to so much road rage on 167. Ooh. You would not believe how many people cheat that the, the ramp meters. They cheat those all. The, that's why they're going getting rid of them. That's why they're getting rid of the HOV bypasses on those ramp meters. They did it up at the Edmonds exit. Yeah. Getting oh. getting onto the freeway there. They're, no. they're now double. They're now double red. Yeah, because people cheat them so much. Yeah, okay. But that's that was okay. my one off, and I apologize, and I feel okay, horrible. Okay, John Curley. I don't, yeah, I, yeah, that's not, no. He does no, that no, no, every no. day. Yeah, I'm So not, you want to come okay and talk about the story while we're Tacoma. here? Or yes. we could just keep dirting on you. That's fine. We never get to do that, Mom. No, I have a very guilty conscience. Okay, but what's going on in Tacoma? So basically, this is something that people have been asking me, and I've thought about it, too, is now that they've finished all the work adding the HOV lanes and widening the freeway, I-5 through Tacoma, why the HOV lanes just stop at 38th there right by the Tacoma Mall? Why is the HOV lane stop there? But then 
eight miles later, they've spent the last couple of years adding a small stretch of HOV through JBLM. Why not just you know, finish, finish the job because you go from HOV to then eight miles of non and then like three miles of and then none again. And so there's unnecessary weaving. So someone asked me on the text line, I was like, okay, I thought I'd check it out. Uh, and you have to understand how projects in this state are funded and more importantly, scheduled. There's a huge to-do list in the State Department of Transportation and it's up to the legislature to kind of prioritize what they're going to do, and when they're going to fund it. So there is a plan to continue that HOV lane, but because they just wrapped up 20 years in Tacoma, the next little part from 38th down to Thorn Lane, that's its own project. So that goes down kind of to the bottom of the list because they've just spent a bunch of money in Tacoma mm. and they want to be fair. And Olympia is like, we can't spend all our money in Tacoma. We can't spend all our money. And, you know, maybe we need to build the I-90, you know, 395 Spokane Expressway. Maybe we ought to finish that for the first time in 20 years. Or why do we do this? And they dangle these things all over the place. Ask anybody who drives in from Monroe. 522, huge commuter route. We got a bunch of listeners that live up in Monroe. They widen that road. It looks great coming past the high school. You get to the Snohomish River Bridge, you lose the lane. And then you got about a mile and a half to two miles. Second lane pops back up again. Why didn't they just finish the thing in the middle? Well, because that's a separate project. Went to the bottom of the list because they just put the money into the corridor Mm. and did that. So now Mm. it's working its way back up the list. It's all about sequencing and funding. Does that make you feel better, G? As someone who drives um, in Tacoma every day, you, you, you know what? When I when I'm listening to you talk, first of all, you're making sense, Sally. But when I think about just in general, just where we're going to be at in five years, it's going to be problems. And be prepared. We're going to be paying to use these roads. And I'm not talking about just tax dollars. I'm talking about we've been talking about the tolls and all of that, all that kind of added things. So I know that that's going to be coming. And I also know this population is growing. I mean, look, we got a lot of water that we have very we only have so much space. Right. We can only do so much. And our public transit needs for some reason that's abysmal. It hasn't gotten to where it needs to be. So when I hear you talk like this, Sully, and I hear about my brothers and sisters down in Tacoma that went through the construction for 20 years and you hear about this, like, oh, by the way, it's going to continue to get worse because people are still moving here. Correct. And people are still, the gig economy has increased so much. We got a lot of drivers that are on the road, deliveries, all that stuff. Constant, constant traffic. Well, the good news is, is that HOV project is scheduled to begin construction in 2032. To oh. go from 38th down to Thorn Lane, oh. if you're curious as to when it's going to start. <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> Environmental review starts in 2029, because right now what they're wow. focusing on is JBLM south to the Nisqually Basin. The rest of that I-5 drive, they're adding an HOV lane all the way down to Mounts Road, and then eventually they're going to continue it all the way down almost to Lacey through Nisqually. But to do that, they've got to build a new bridge down there, and so that's just now an environmental review. That part hasn't even been funded. They'll do that, and then they'll go back to I-5 near 38th and and fill out the rest of those uh, hot lanes. Or sorry, probably hot lanes by then, but HOV lanes now, yes. There's only one thing I know about driving through Tacoma. From the day I moved here in 1988, it has been under construction in perpetuity. It's under construction now. It wasn't last year. Starting in August. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was close to 25 years with little gaps here in the middle. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Right? But, That's- yeah. Yeah, I just always feel oh, like and I just, forgot. Expect, yeah, for, just expect a backup. Just remember, Fife isn't Tacoma, <laughs> and they're going to be tearing up Fife here soon as 167 is being extended from Puyallup over to I-5. That's about to start here uh, through 2028. There's a lot going on down there. I'm, I am I need to move back up north. <laughs> for real. No, I'm being serious. Yeah, the, yeah. Our 10-minute drives is, every day, yeah. that's that's average. That's minimal. Yeah, yeah. It's starting to get to me. Just take the HOV link. You know, Ursula does it. It's fine now. Wow. Stop. <laughs> One wow. time. One time. One, One time, time you got caught, baby. No, I did not get <laughs> no, caught. Just... <laughs> One time. Just giving you grief. Thanks, Sully. All right, Appreciate guys. Be you, good. Uh, Matt Markovich is going to come in. What's he going to talk about? You know what he's going to talk about? Let me ask you this. If you hear book ban, what's the first thing you think of? When you hear the term book ban, what do you think of? Matt Markovich is going to come in next to talk about book bands. Generously. This hour of the G and Ursula show is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. This is the G and Ursula show. Happy Tuesday to all of you. Just a reminder that Valentine's Day is tomorrow. So if you were planning to do something, you've got just a little bit of time to uh, get it done. Um, In my book, if you can get kids to read books, it is a win. But all across the country and here in Washington, there have been efforts to ban certain books from school libraries. And now in Olympia, there is... We're seeing an increase in book bans. Oh, there is a an effort to ban those book bans. And Matt Markovich is eager to go. (laughs) He's got his audio firing on all cylinders. (laughs) Sorry about Uh, that. So uh, go ahead. Tell us what about this book ban? Yeah. So the state house yesterday passed a bill that essentially bans the banning of books that focus on people of a protected or marginalized class. And they're really focusing on the LGBT. LGBTQ community. Now, it passed right along the party lines, all Democrats voting yes, all the Republicans voting no, and it prevents local school boards from creating policies to remove books and restricted materials that focus on themes of a legally protected class. And the, the definition of a legally protected class is all throughout state law based on age, race, sexual orientation. Um, and you talked about the genesis. There's Colorado, uh, Kansas, New Jersey, New Mexico, Massachusetts are all in the process of doing that. And so the the question is that I found interesting in this bill. It's just the fact that they're going after this topic here, uh, protected classes. But in the bill that it says that if you have a book that contains bias against a protected class. So it's talking about attacking another protected class that can be rejected. So if you, if a book talks about the origins of the LGBTQ community and it's part of a curriculum for a high school or whatever Mm -hmm. school, uh, that can't be banned. But if a book attacks the LGBTQ community, um, that, um, can be banned. Yes. Okay. 
Does that make sense to you? So, uh, so it sounds like okay. So Matt's trying to find some of the things that make this particular right. uh, legislation. So you said it's it's going on party lines. Uh, party line uh, vote right now. That's when I've been going after what bills are really controversial. Okay. Yes, and, and, and I appreciate that. Now, I'm of the mindset that you should try to give kids access to as much literature as possible, but I would also be in favor of having not books banned, but certain um, books that might be a little more controversial put in an area where there would have to be some kind of supervision or some kind of knowledge. Right. And, and I, I understand that. I'm not in favor of banning books, but I'm in favor of educating. Yeah, and I forgot one more important element of this is that the Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction the what kind of books and how it's going to be banned will come down from that office. Okay. And so a lot of uh, objection to this is that why can't we give it to the local school board? Because we're a local school board, works with the community, the teachers, the parents, and what's impro- appropriate for that area. And so the state's saying, no, this has got to come down from the state uh, and then set the agenda for all the school boards. And so what... What have you heard the um, the possibility of something like this passing? Like what what's being said? Well, that's a a good question because there is a Senate version, similar bill. They call it a companion bill that never made it out of committee. Mm. So the House passed it on a party line vote. So now it goes to the Senate, but the because the likelihood of it of the Senate bill dying. Mm-hmm. It, it the likelihood in Matt Markovich estimation that it, it won't pass this legislative session. This is mm-hmm. one of those things. But I bring it up because this is what your lawmakers are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this I mean, is, if it's not now, it might be yeah, sometime so, in the future. Yeah. Okay. If nothing happens, if nothing happens this legislative session, I have a child in school, let's say in, in, in school where I want them to have access to books in the library. Uh, what is the situation? So, is there anything that bars them from getting certain books right now? No, no, right now there's no. Okay, but they're just trying to do this like preemptively yeah, because re- of what's happening elsewhere. Yeah, I read a, I read a story and I haven't confirmed it that the uh, in the Kent School District there were some complaints right. recently about it. Um, there was that uh, one town I was at Dayton or something like that in Washington where they want to close down the library because of the books that were in there. Yeah. So there's little peripheral things. So what is your position, G, on banning of books? Controversial books, specific the ones that are sexually explicit that maybe you and I could not read out loud mm-hmm. uh, on the radio but are available in a library. Right. Um, well, first, when I hear about books being banned, you know, like that discussion, I mean, it's, it's something that's happened in the history of this country for a while. And we all know that in 2020, 21 school year, uh, a, a Florida governor by the name of Ron DeSantis really made it a point, And during that year, over 900 uh, districts nationwide suffered a lot of book banning, and it really had to do with critical race theory. By the way, have you got have you noticed Ursula that nobody says that word anymore? I know it was hey, kind of a yeah. big thing. Interesting, it, huh? It, what? It, it, it's gone, actually, it's it's gone away. Yeah, weird, right? You know what the new one is? DEI. <laughs> Oh, DEI has been around with, no, with but, 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 that, but that's the new yes, one, right? Yes. Like critical race theory. Oh yes. my goodness, they're teaching your kids yes. the new caravan. Yes. By, by, okay, by, now. by the way, when we were talking about critical race theory, 
We kept asking for the text line to yeah. give us specifically who. And we're like, no, no, no. no. I, my, my sister's cousin said, but w- yes. what school? They never had a school no. for you. Or if they gave you an example, it would just be about talking about disparities, racial disparities or whatever, and they just lumped it in with yeah. critical race theory. It's gone away. Critical yes. race theory has gone away. Yes. MS-13 has gone away. All those buzzwords. All yes. right, let me get back to the topic. <laughs> My bad. So when we're talking about this, um, I definitely agree with the part about any type of literature um, with uh bad stuff to be said about a particular community, in this case, the LGBTQ community. No, I don't think that those books should be exist out there like that. But when it comes to other things, like you talked about the sexually, those things that are very sexual in nature. Yeah, I do believe that the Washington uh, uh, Superintendent of Public Instruction, they need to make sure that those books are careful about those books being able to be in the hands of kids. You know, now, th- um, so so. <clears throat> I actually might have a slightly different uh, different opinion than G on, on the terms in terms of the SPI being the, the determinant body, mm-hmm. um, because I do think that so many other decisions are left on a local level when it comes to schools. I mean, mm-hmm. we have had Chris Rachel on our show. Uh, many times, and he talks about how important it is to have a lot of these decisions made on the local level, mm-hmm. and so. In this case, it's interesting that that mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to this, it would be made at a state level. So yeah. I need to think about that a little bit more. And I understand because there would be certain districts that would, pro- you know, would more likely be banning a lot of you books. Know, Dave Ross asked me on the Seattle Morning News, where would the Bible come into play? Because of the Bible, there's a lot of attacks on marginalized communities. So would the Bible be banned? <laughs> Great question. What was your answer? I said, Dave, why don't you try it? (laughs) It has to be brought up by a parent in a school district to challenge all this stuff. Yeah, boy. Hmm. Okay, text us, 888-973-5476, Cairo. Hmm. Do you want more of your kids' school books to be banned? Yeah. I've been, by the way, I've been holding, I've been holding on to that uh, CRT conversation. Yeah, that was good. I was, I was trying to find a way when to implement that. Yeah, that <laughs> was good. I, I if you think perfect. about it, it's been at least at least a year, six when, months. When's the last time you say somebody on a text line? Yeah, like Texas and says, "Hey, my cousin said they're doing CRT in schools." Remember cancel culture? <laughs> oh, <God>. please! <laughs> no wonder my mental health has improved greatly. Remember, we don't keep talking about cancel culture. Remember, nobody wants to work. <laughs> hey, woke is still around. Oh no, <laughs> Matt! Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> All right, and coming up in the scenarios, find out what happens when my man says, "I don't want to spend my vacation going to my wife's cousin's wedding." Next, Gina Schlitt. Scenarios is brought to you by 1-800-DUI-AWAY. It is the G and Ursula Show. What's up, everybody? It is now time to get to Scenarios. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? 
By the way, I always know Julie B is waiting for scenarios. That's what she really wakes up and comments here on the show. My wife, even though she commented earlier, my wife and I are fighting because we were planning a spring break getaway with the family. We discovered that her cousin is getting married that weekend, and she says we need to be there for her. They were close as kids, and she wanted to go. I say this screws with our family trip, and they should have planned this wedding further in advance. I only get two weeks of vacation each year, and I don't want to waste one of the weeks going to a wedding for her cousin. I suggested that she goes to the wedding, and I stay home with the kids to save money, and we have our family trip later. But she says I need to support her. I say this is ridiculous. I don't even know this cousin. What should I do? 888-973-5476 is the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Ursula, you up to bat first. So I actually think you came up with a nice proposal to support her going, and then you could take the family trip together later. But it sounds like you are doing it in a very upset way. And, you know, I don't like this cousin. I don't really know this cousin. It's your cousin. You know, even if it's your wife's cousin or your wife's friend, it's important for her uh, that you are there. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it isn't fun to go to a wedding by yourself, I, I would say, because especially if it's someone that maybe you don't know that well, it's nice to have your partner there. You also want everybody to meet uh, who it is that you are married to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the compromise was already figured out. Yeah, he did have a compromise and his compromise made sense. But here's something that I'm learning. Yeah. Even if what you're saying makes all the sense in the world. Hey, you go. Yeah. Hey, I'll stay. Yeah. It'll save us money. When you come back, we go on our trip. Yes. Makes all the sense in the the world. world. One plus one is two. Yeah. Two plus two is four. When it comes to your to your wife being happy, throw it out the window. You better go. Happy life. You better go. That's all I got for you, Chef. Okay. Just trust me. Go. But is that just basically saying that the the Man has no agency that had the, you, whatever your wife says goes. Is there's, it worth the penalty? No, there's some, no, because, because everyone, all relationships are different. Yeah. Right. In, in relationships, I've learned there are certain things that you got to have. Like, for an example, Lillian knows Sundays is kind of like that's my day of relaxation. Yes. So she's cool with yes. me. You know what I mean? And then I also know if she's like, hey, uh, can you come with me to here? Like sometimes they really want you to go. Yes. So if she wants you to go to the cousin's yeah. wedding, it's really important. this is really important to her. And I'm sure there's something that you, husband, have where it's really important to you right. and she concedes. And so even though she's right, she concedes on your side. I I mean, I've been in this situation. My, my wife's cousin got married a couple years back down in California and I was like, oh, my God, I want to get to your cousin's wedding. I've never met this guy. we got to bring the kids. It's going to be an 11-hour drive. It's going to be a nightmare. No, I don't want it. But you know what? It's really important to show up for family, and you married into her family. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. We had a great time, and I also got to meet a whole bunch of her side of the family that I hadn't interacted with before. You're going to see these people over and over again throughout your life. It's important to establish relationships. And I would say critically, women feel a little bit different when they go to a wedding. They get those feelings back. You really want to be sending your wife down to a wedding all alone? No, you don't. 
I was going to go there. <laughs> There's something about ladies and going to weddings. I don't know what it is. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It what brings is it? back memories of your, your wedding. Yeah. yeah, your big day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is an emo- I, I have not been to a wedding where I don't tear up when the bride walks down the aisle. Really? I, there's just so many moments where, and you want to share that. Mm. Yeah, it is a, just a, hopefully it's it's something that happens once in a lifetime. Sometimes mm. for a few people have a few of them, but mm. um, it's just a really special day. And yeah, I think it would just would be nice to have your partner there. But if it were in my case, mm. the husband's, Solution, I would have been okay with that. I'm learning from the veterans out here, Ursula. I'm learning from the long-lived marks of the world, all of the men, fellas, that have been married for a long time. There is a common theme, and the common theme is quite, quite simple. Even if you don't feel like it, because she wants to, yeah. you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do this and save my favor for later. Yeah. That work both ways. It, it, it really does. It usually does. But for the most part, most of the time, Ursula, I'm telling you. So in this case right here, being specific, trust me. Go to that wedding. She okay, wants what a, you to go. What about this, though? Huh? <clears throat> the wife should not be presenting an option on the two out of the, all the weeks they get to relax every year that they don't all enthusiastically agree to. The happy wife, happy life only leads to unhappy husbands. Uh, but this is a wedding for the cousin that just came out. She wants you to go. Something about weddings throws all the bets off. Brother Nick? Well, I can see how it's not the best feeling going to a wedding by yourself when you do have a spouse or significant other to go with. But on the other hand, the guy is trying to make the best of all worlds, trying to salvage the vacation for the whole party. And to G's point, I don't know the dynamics of this relationship and the severity of opposition and other ideas in mind than the lady. But to be safe in most cases, I'd pack the bag and get ready to move on with her and see the cousin, even if you don't know him, because if she ain't happy after that, nobody will be happy. It's like you're the coach on the sideline. She's the quarterback. She gets the last call before the play is ran. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Mm. Any final words? No. What a sad state of affairs that so many of us have to fight about important family events because we only have two weeks of vacation. Oh, two that weeks. Is, that is true. Okay, Such one, a joke. One other thing. I like to change it to happy spouse, happy house. I like to think it's like not the, the woman that has all the say. Mm, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good, bro. <laughs> I, look, I, I, I want all my brothers to text in right now. Tell, tell me the truth, y'all. Tell me the secret to your household is to make sure she's good. Chef, come on now. Come on. I'm learning. Look, I tried it the other way. It didn't work. I do my I best. I tried it the other way. <laughs> but I, I, it did not work. But I, I just the, what I see of your relationship with Lillian, I think you have a mutual respect for each other's uh, desires in, in terms of what you want to do with your free time. Like I've true. seen her. I have seen her go to your events. Very true. You go to her events. Very you true. both like to dress up. You both play up the things that you really like. Very true. I think it's a compromise. Yeah. This is your favorite word. It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We got agree to disagree coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. And um, is it silly to card everyone to purchase alcohol in the stores? Next, Jen Arsene.